eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You are now tuned into another Dolphins podcast. Thank you for joining us. You're joined by Jake Mendel and Josh Houts, as you are always. We have no surprises here outside of the fact Tua has a mustache. But before we get into that, I got to introduce this nice mustache I got across from me. So Joshua Houts, happy Tuesday. How's it going, my friend? Happy Tuesday. I'm I'm surprised we came on here to talk about this, right? Yeah, Tua's day. I mean, he just had his luau yesterday. We definitely want to talk about that mustache, but um, I'm doing pretty good. Baby's sleeping. Kids are content for now, so I'm doing good, man. How have you been? I'm living living a pretty good life right now, man. It's uh, do you know what a red flag warning is? Uh, no. Doesn't it sound a little scary? Yeah, I I sound scared like it was something. I thought you were telling me I had a red flag warning like showing up on your screen or something. I'm like, oh shit, like should I take cover? (laughs) That'd be horrifying because what a red flag warning is is when it's so dry outside, but it's getting warm and the wind starts picking up. So, like, if a fire starts, it will just fly everywhere and turn into this massive red flag. I knew that was always, like, a, a, a concern, especially, like, out west. But calling it a red flag warning sounds like the most horrifying, scary, like, disclaimer you could possibly put on. Like, hey, it's a little windy and a little dry outside. Yeah, so, I mean, that still sounds scary. It sounds terrifying. <laughs> I mean, is that actually what it means? Like, there could be, a like, if a fire happens, like, it could just get start scorched earth everywhere up there? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like the California wildfires when they start and like they can't contain them because the wind just picks up and carries the fire. It's red flag warnings, man. Red flag. Stay inside. (laughs) Unless your house is on fire, then please, please, please leave your house. Stop, drop, and roll and get the hell out of there, yeah. (laughs) In that order, too. (laughs) But, Josh, we have a lot to talk about here. You mentioned, too, a second luau. There are some interesting highlights here. Um First and foremost, I think we got to talk about Tua and the sickest mustache possible. Um, To me, man, I see that mustache. And do you remember when uh, Tom Brady was suspended from the NFL and the the rumors were going around like Patriots sign, uh, unknown quarterback, bomb Tatey or something like that? The issue here is Tua's got that mustache going on. 
but we can't flip the first letter of both his names because he's still just Tua Tungavaloa. So we got we got to figure this out and what his uh, alternate identity is because that that is a very like uh, evil genius mustache he's putting together there. Yeah, and I should have twisted mine up like I used to do because that would just be perfectly <laughs> fitting for this podcast. But I mean, it was kind of a funny thing going around Twitter. See, is this beautiful picture of Tua, his wife, his kid, you know? And I have to sit there and make a comment about him having that Vince McMahon mustache, and we've all seen that, right? I mean, that was going around all Twitter last week. He has that evil villain mustache, so uh, I drew the eye paint on a Vin- that picture of Vince McMahon. I thought it was a little funny, but I support the mustache. I'm here for mustache Tua Tagovailoa. Some people said, you know, maybe this is the key to the MVP season. But um, Jake, I guess the question I had is if the Dolphins. Um, I guess I have here if Tua keeps it during the season, but let's say, you know, the Dolphins finally win a playoff game or something like that. Are you willing to grow that little pencil uh, Zorro mustache? Are you are you going to do that? Would you be able to? You, you just, I think you just answered the question yourself right there. Got the got the Benjamin button going on. This baby face is not going anywhere. I'll 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 sharpie one. If if the Dolphins start the season um three and one or better and Tua has the mustache, I will come on here for a week straight with a Sharpie, Sharpie mustache on my face, and we'll record. I, I will put that in stone right now that I'm, on, I'm down for it. I'm, I'm, I'm here to ride with the crew. Done. Yeah, I, I'm all here for that. And then you can even, you know, maybe just write on your finger so you oh, can do sorry. something like that. Yeah, I know people get, like, tattoos there and crazy stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, man, yesterday, his second luau, I don't know how you feel, man, but every time these things happen on Twitter, you just see everybody post these happy photos. You know, Alec Ingle doing the routine, Jason Taylor – you name it, everyone's in attendance to this thing. And I just feel like that SpongeBob meme, Squidward just peeking out from the vents, like, why am I up here in Pennsylvania? Why can't I be down there? But um, we just want to throw out some quotes from this thing. We do got a shout out Merrick Brave, who did an article in the Finsider. Go to thefinsider.com. Check that out if you haven't. But um, the first thing, obviously, to a ton of low cities, very excited. I think our entire team is excited to get back out there, get to meet a lot of the newer guys, a lot of the newer guys getting to meet a lot of the guys that have been in the system for a whole year now. He went on to say how, um, you know, a lot of these guys are pretty excited to work with him. We all see the videos going around, right? Eric Ezukom is out there, uh, River Craycraft, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. Kind of what you expect, though, right, from a, an offseason where you have your quarterback proving to be that QB1. I mean, a lot of people love to hype these things up and act like it's this huge deal, but I'd be a little bit disappointed if you didn't see these videos of two out there, to be completely honest. Yeah, and that's the thing, Josh. I, I think this brings up an interesting question, and um, a, a big part of that quote right there is that uh, a lot of the guys have been in the system for a year now, and and it's not like last year where you brought in guys like Trent Sherfield, River Craycraft, who had um, experience in the system, and you had to kind of lean on them. Now it's the new guys who get to kind of lean on everyone. And, and Josh, there's this saying about quarterbacks that, you know, year two is the year where you see all this growth. Now, when you think about that, that could be simply that, you know, these guys are 20, 21 years old, and you're still growing, right? People don't really think about that, but that that the, the body, it's like Tua, he looks so much girthier than he did three years ago. I don't know if we want to really dive into girth details, but we can if you want. But, but basically what I'm trying to get at here is <laughs> when you're talking about that year one to year two jump, is it because your body's still growing or is it more off the field? Like we know the system, we're understanding things better. We're more comfortable here where maybe we can have that same effect. I don't think Tua is going to blow away his numbers from last year in terms of the leading the yards and uh, leading the league in yards per attempt and things like that, but just more consistency, more confidence and a more comfortable approach where you don't have to score six touchdowns in the second half to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I, that was still one of my favorite games, though, right? I mean, we were all oh, shitting bricks, and to see that go down was amazing. But I do think a lot of that is just, you know, being comfortable in a second uh, second year in a system. We talked about it uh, a few pods ago with, I think, Merrick. But this is the first time, too, as any 
I can't say the word, right? Continuity. Con- Beautiful. Yeah, okay. it. That's how I said the right word, but he hasn't had that for so long. I think every year he has a new offense coordinator. Every year he has a new head coach or whatever it might be. So going into year two, a system that he proved that when he's healthy, he looked pretty darn good in. I'm excited to see the way it works out. I guess, Jake, the question I have written down here, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, but we know we're looking for a third option in this uh, receiving corp. I know that we all wanted to see. I'm a little disappointed. I don't see Braxton Berrios out there looking like Eminem catching passes from Tua, but uh, <laughs> we do see as come out there working his butt off. We remember the preseason darling that he was. River Craycraft, I wrote down here, nine receptions, 102 yards and two touchdowns last season. If you had to pick one of those guys to have the bigger role in this offense heading into this, again, second year, which one of these guys would you – uh, pick would you pick the rookie as or second year player as a coma or do you think Craycraft, given his familiarity with the system given that he already kind of got his feet wet last season do you think he or Izukoma will have the bigger season in this offense two things I should I think we should make a dictionary of uh slogans we say throughout the show because uh tall slot instantly easy comes up he's our tall slot receiver that's instantly what I go to and to kind of circle back to the conversation we just had, is it more the second year watching your body develop or second year in a system? We have that literally unfolding right here with River Craycraft coming back for his second year and Eric Azucoma, who's about to enter his second year in the NFL. And man, that is an interesting, interesting question. I kind of want to say Azucoma just because he was that darling last year. I remember being in Boston, uh, sitting at a hotel bar, watching that game just on the side of my phone and just seeing like, On my small phone, on the small screen, I could see Eric Azucoma stand out as a difference maker, as someone who once he was running around that secondary, your eyes locked on because he was this big physical target. I kind of like that. I think when you consider, you know, the guys that left, yes, Trent Sherfield left, and you kind of see River Craycraft stepping in there, but... The Dolphins did everything they could to try to get, you know, Mike Gesicki going, make him a a part of that offense. He had 50 targets, five touchdowns. I think I kind of like Azucoma fitting into that role, coming in as the slot receiver. It's all going to come down to that timing. Does he have the speed? Is he going to be able to look up at that right time in anticipation of the ball? Where... Their River Craycraft has a obvious and clear advantage, but it really is going to boil down to that consistency, these offseason workouts, um, how comfortable Ezukoma can get. And honestly, man, I think this is something where it's not really even a wait or see. If we were down in Miami right now, we'd be able to get a pretty good idea just by the routes they're running where Ezukoma stands in terms of that comfortable uh, mindset of, hey, this offense is going to operate really fast and you got to make sure your head's not spinning. Yeah, and I love that he could be that, you know, big slot wide receiver that we always talk about you yeah you mentioned it though it all depends really I think on Ezukoma I remember Wes Welker having a quote last year about how the lingo and the you know the words are so much different and more complicated than what he was used to at Texas Tech so if Eric Ezukoma you know got the system down we saw the skill set a little bit there in preseason I think he could definitely rise and become that third option in this uh, passing game the last quote from this thing from the Merrick article and what he took from the transcripts that were going around the internet is um, something that I did a little eye emoji too it says the support that i get from my head coach our coaches that are coming to the luau the teammates that are coming as well it's all cool so um i guess maybe a little bit shade at, at brian flores right i mean i think we heard last year that he was you know a little bit thrown off by the way that his head coach now mike mcdaniel supported him went to that luau last season but uh, was there anything that you took away from that jake or is this just to a tongue of aloha truly you know over the moon excited that he does have um, kind of more of a family team around him than maybe he did if year one and year two. Josh, please don't take this as me putting a target like right on your forehead right now. But I do wonder when we're going to get to the point where we can have those conversations and have someone just speaking genuinely and think, oh, they're just 
sharing their perspective, not like they were sitting in the back room with a PR guy scheming for the last 25 minutes. I mean, Trent Sherfield joining the Bills was the perfect example of that. Of course, we're Dolphin fans. We can have fun. He does have that um, mustache now, though. He does look like a villain, so he could have been throwing shade, right? <laughs> he could have been. You're right. That you, you, you might have just turned my opinion there. We got Evil Tua throwing shade at uh, shade at the league now. No, but it, it, it's nice to see, and you'd rather have everyone vibing together, right? Um, you know, football teams, I think one thing we don't uh, appreciate enough is that every team, every player is a very, very good football player, a very good football team, and the way you win is between the margins, and there isn't a lot that separates all these guys. So I think having this fun vibe check, having everyone out there together, and, and just smiling, have a good time really comes in handy when you have situations like last year where Miami lost a string of games in a row and everyone's big concern was how's Mike McDaniel going to respond how is he going to control this locker room and I think this is a big reason for it I mean you know Mike McDaniel might really really enjoy having Tua as a quarterback but part of that is just kind of hyping him all, all the time making sure he is comfortable because while that's nice fun PR stuff I legitimately do think it plays a difference with someone who's you know locked walking into that same uh you know, building in Davie, Florida, probably 45,000 times a week. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, Mike McDaniel loved him enough to auction. There was an auction going off. I know you saw that painting of uh, Dan Was that Marino a PR next... stunt, you think? It could have been. Yeah, I mean, I, the video did cut off. It did sound like he was the only one that, uh, that placed a bid there at that time. So I don't know, man, but I just thought it was funny just picturing Mike McDaniel, you know, the fire. I guess they don't, might not have fireplaces in Florida, but, you know, hanging it <laughs> above the whatever, whatever they got down there. Uh, you, you know, it's just probably hilarious to just walk in there and just picture him having a, this giant painting of Tua Tungvaloa and Dan Marino. He has the fireplace that isn't used. Above it, he has a TV mounted that is broadcasting a fireplace. <laughs> and then above that is the is the painting yeah. just to get the entire vibe. Uh, yeah, so so Mike McDaniel did purchase a painting. It's Dan Marino and Tua. And I, I hate to make the comparisons. I think Jalen Phillips to Jason Taylor is a fun one. But I hate instantly going like, hey, you're a pretty solid quarterback. But can I tell you about this guy who threw 420 passes in the NFL? And he's just is a complete badass. I'd, I'd feel like there's a huge bridge there. But hey, man. Uh, Mike McDaniel did it. I think he's a lot smarter than we give him credit for. I do think there might have been some sort of PR stuff happening going on there. But either way, the check's going to clear. So I think that's what's important. Josh, I'm just going to switch us right into the next topic because you have something written down here that legitimately kind of caught me off guard, uh, sent shivers down my spine. Uh -oh. And we're going to sit here. Jeffrey Simmons of the Tennessee Titans just got a new deal. He was drafted the same year as Christian Wilkins. They both are defensive linemen, and I think they're both studs. That's like the simple way to put it. Um, I think Simmons does get to the quarterback a little bit more, but he is also more of that edge rusher where Wilkins is going to line up in the middle, maybe see a couple more double teams, things like that. Josh, Sport Track projected Jeffrey Simmons to make $26 million a year. Yeah. $26 yeah. million dollars a year. And how much do they have Christian Wilkins projected to make? 15.3. <laughs> what? How? How does that where, where does $10 million? Where does more than half your roughly 40% of your salary come from? What, what is the difference between these two? That that to me just was, you know, steam coming out of the ears, mind blown. Like what? What's happening? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm fully for that though, right? If you could somehow get Christian Wilkins at 15.3 yeah. to sign that deal, I mean, sure, why not? But that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this because I think we all can admit Jeffrey Simmons is probably. I mean, we, I don't watch a ton of Titans games, but I know pre-draft. I know from Could everything be. you see, all the clips, you know, I think he's probably a little bit better than Christian Wilkins. But the truth is, the only thing that really stands out here when you run the numbers is he has more sacks. And to me, I don't know that sacks really make up that big of a gap, right? I mean, I uh, the 26 million might have been 25. <laughs> like, it makes a difference. I don't potato, think they, potato, yeah, yeah, I don't think they no longer have that market value up there since he did sign a new deal, but... 15.3 million for Christian Wilkins last season, 98 tackles, three and a half sacks. You compare that to Simmons, who had 54 total tackles and seven and a half sacks. So, again, I have to wonder if, you know, uh, I mean, we got to be honest, Spotrack's been pretty accurate with the way they projected some of these things, but I, I just don't see how, you know, the difference is that significant that you would almost, you know, pay Jeffrey Simmons 10 million more a season. So, I do think when it's all said and done, the Dolphins are probably going to give Wilkins, you know, maybe. 19 20 million i have 17 to 19 written down here but either way when i saw those projections even back in a few months ago i just was like oh damn like they really think that there's that Crazy. big of a gap between these players so i just want to get your thoughts on that and i mean at this rate i mean i think they were waiting for this jeffrey simmons domino to fall now i'm just waiting for the dolphins to end up you know signing that deal but are they waiting till that june 1st cap money comes around i mean these are all questions i don't have the answers to I think they have to be, right? I do think it's possible that if the Dolphins give Wilkins uh, an extension, his cap number could be cheaper this year, but I don't know how much more money the Dolphins can push. I'm not in the camp that the salary cap is fake. I think you can do a lot of things. I think you can hamstring yourself in a lot of ways, and I think you can manipulate it in a lot of ways, but I think there is a line somewhere there, and I do think this is a deal that's going to happen. Josh, something I want to talk to you about is, um, you know, different players, different positions, different mindsets, different attitudes, but... Last year, the Dolphins uh, gave Christian Wilkins his fifth-year option, and he completely upended it, right? He absolutely balled out. He was one of the best defensive interior linemen in the league. If you don't want to go watch all the highlights, just go watch that Buffalo playoff game and see what type of stud Christian Wilkins is. Uh, when you talk about this contract and giving him something along the lines of Jeffrey Simmons, I think it's going to be a little cheaper. And I kind of get the more we talk about it, sack numbers do playing some sort of role at the negotiating table. I don't know if it's $10 million, but I do kind of, it kind of makes sense a little bit. I got to ask you, did the Dolphins make a mistake in not just giving Wilkins the price he wanted last year? You have to assume, you know, we don't have that much inside information, but we have to assume last year he was asking for a lot less after this dominant season, the playoff run that was, you know, only four quarters, but either here or there. Would you have been comfortable? Would you have not been queasy giving him like a bigger contract last year and maybe being a couple million dollars cheaper? Or are you more comfortable this year seeing how dominant he can be and understanding, yes, this is our guy? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Jake. I mean, I obviously think that the way we're starting to see some of these contracts come about, the way we realize that we're going to have to pay all these guys in a few years, I think it would have been nice to have Wilkins locked up, not really have to worry about it. Maybe you turn your focus to Zach Sealer. You know, maybe you give another guy a long-term deal. But I do think you need that reassurance, right? I mean, we all knew Christian Wilkins was a great player. I think we all mm -hmm. loved what he does on and off the field. I mean, this, this type of shit talking he does and the way he gets into players' heads is amazing. And then just the type of impact he had. I mean, you definitely saw his game rise to the next level, I think, once they brought in Bradley Chubb. I mean, between him on one side, Jalen Phillips on the other I mean you saw Christian Wilkins become a factor and step his game up last season so um yes and no I mean I think money wise I would have much rather have seen it last year obviously but that's just me you know pinching pennies but after you see that season that he had after you saw that dominance I mean I think Chris Greer probably thought before the season I want to lock this guy up he's an 
you know, intricate part of this defense. But after what he did last year, after you saw just what type of difference maker is compared to some of the other defense tackles around the league, I think they should feel much more comfortable giving him that deal. Again, I'm just waiting for it to end up happening because, you know, we've seen stranger things happen, right? I mean, I, I don't know what could come about it. I think the Dolphins and Wilkins both want to get a deal done. But until that ink's dry, until I see the contract official, uh, I might still be a little bit queasy underneath everything. So we have one more note here, Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft, and the Dolphins start the draft at pick number 51. Josh, loaded question. How much would you be willing to move up if it meant getting rid of Christian Wilkins? If it was pick 51 and Christian Wilkins, how high would that pick need to be until you're okay with it? Yeah, someone actually DM me, and I don't know if it was a new DM or an old DM, but they said, what about moving up to, I think the Texans have like the 12th or 13th pick, but Keith on Twitter, you know, suggested, what if the Dolphins trade Christian Wilkins, move up there, and draft Bijan Robinson, you know, the, the stud running back from Texas. Yeah, and I, um, I mean, the fantasy football player in me says, you know, that would be amazing, but I just don't think it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, so... I think you'd want to get a top 15 pick if you're going to move Christian Wilkins. I mean, I guess I could see the Dolphins doing that if a player that they truly, I want to say, love falls. But I think, again, what Wilkins means to the defense, the locker room, Chris Greer has spoke glowingly of him, the same with Mike McDaniel. I would be a little hurt, but, I mean, we've become attached to players before that, you know, got sent away. So anything's possible, man, but that's a good question. What about you? What would you do in that situation? I mean, if you could get a star player at a position in need, I mean, not necessarily a running back, but trading Christian Wilkins to move up there and get a player, maybe a right tackle that, you know, would shift the, you know, would be a game changer on the offensive side, but then you're opening up that weakness on the defensive side, but then you got Zach Steeler, right? So uh, I, I don't want to move Christian Wilkins, but this is a nice uh, conversation to have for sure. That's the thing. I'm not trying to, you know, suggest that it's going to happen or anything. I think this is just a little interesting. And Josh, I think the big uh, pinpoint part of this discussion for me is you look at Christian Wilkins stats. I think he led the league in defensive stops. And I don't even think it was close among defensive linemen. I think he had like 10 more. And I think number two was Jeffrey Simmons, actually. How much worse does this defense get if they don't have that? Now that number is incredible. And that helped that team so much. But when you under when you put together the facts, like, you know, you still got a great secondary or secondary just got improved. The edge rushers are supposed to be the best part of this entire group. Where can you take something away and feel the slightest impact? And again, Christian Wilkins has a massive impact on the Miami Dolphins. He plays a huge role. He is the center, nose tackle, defensive, metaphorical center of that defense. And he is a great player. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is if you take him out of the equation, uh, is this defense, is, is the defensive line a hole that the Dolphins would need to address? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of think a lot, you're starting to see people now talk about it being a need just because of the way that Vic Fangio's defense plays. You kind of almost need a bigger nose tackle up front. So yeah. um, I guess that would be my biggest concern with the linebackers that we have. I mean, I love what David Long Jr. is going to bring to the table, Jerome Baker as well. But we saw that run defense improve a little bit. Um, so I guess I obviously take him out of the middle of that. You, you know, might you know, might give up, get gashed in the middle of the field. But then again, you also have Raekwon Davis, right? I mean, a lot of us don't even talk about him. So, I mean, I think you kind of might be onto something, Jake. I mean, if you could pull a player from any position on the Dolphins defense or even, you know, offense maybe included, you could probably take 
that that just sounds crazy, right? I feel like he's the heart it of the does. defense. It does. It sounds and, so crazy. But, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, I mean, I would be intrigued to see the way it works. And, you know, we talk about Vic Fangio's defense being bend, don't break. So, you know, maybe they could get away with it. But I just I just don't know. But then you look at the cap situation, right, man? And you're going to have to eventually pay Phillips and Waddle and Holland and all these other guys. And, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But I, that's definitely a good question, Jake. And I'm sure as soon as someone sees this video, they're going to shit all oh, over us. And yes. you oh. may as well just write an article on this and get it, you know, <laughs> a red flag, right? A red flag warning. <laughs> <laughs> Burn down all of Twitter. Just one little spark and it just I'm gonna, melts the I'm going to put list. that in the description. Red flag warning. No one will have any idea what we're talking about, but they'll they'll know once they get to the Christian Wilkins towards the end of this. And we, we can't, I mean, it's a joke, but we got to remember that Christian Wilkins also had, what, two ca two catches and a touchdown as a dolphin, right? Ex Broke out the worm. And he's such a locker room guy. And just the fact, like, there was such this mentality around the Dolphins in 2019, like, kills me to this day. Louis Riddick, someone who is very... um assertive with his opinions he stands by them and he's very confident he was ripping the dolphins apart loser mentality they're doing a horrible thing to their fan base they're doing a horrible thing to the player development christian wilkins is the exact exhibit a of how bs that was he dealt with that he dealt with situations like that cowboys patriots and ravens games in 2019 that were god awful absolute miserable football teams he didn't care and not only that he got better so to me, that I mean, I'm I'm all for Christian Wilkins, but if we wanted to have the conversation of if you trade him, you get like a mid to late first round nose tackle, and you sign Zach Sealer, is that another way to build the team? Is that really hurt you that much, or is that maybe just a tinfoil hat theory that kind of has a little sense to it? Oh, it's it's definitely a tin hat uh, theory that has some sense to it, but <laughs> I think uh, I think you're spot on with what you would expect in compensation, right? I mean, we see some of these trades going down. I think Jeffrey Okuda just got traded from the Lions, former first round pick for a fifth rounder. But when you look Crazy. at what Christian Wilkins would bring to a defense, I absolutely think he could fetch you a first round pick. But um, let me just say it one more time: Jake and I love Christian Wilkins. We think he's the nucleus of that defense. We're waiting for the ink to dry, but that's definitely uh, something. I guess maybe to keep an eye on, right, as the draft approaches. Who knows what, what the Dolphins could do? I mean, none of us expected a, a trade for Tyree Kill. None of us expected half the stuff that's happened over the last few years. So never say never, but uh, I think Christian Wilkins is going to be a Dolphin for a long time. Before we move on, Jake, I want to ask you, do you think his best season, the, you know, we saw the numbers go up last year, 98 tackles. I went through them earlier. Do you think he still has more left on the bone that he could do? I mean, you could get that sack number up, and then next thing you know, he's asking for ten more, $10 million more million a season. So that's a good question, and I think it might actually be just the opposite. You know, I envision what I think is going to happen, and we've been on these Twitter streets for some time. Uh, what I think is going to happen is the Wilkins deal is going to get done. I think right at, shortly after the Byron Jones money goes through, maybe even to the day, maybe June 1st at midnight goes through and that Christian Wilkins deal is done. But with the talent on this defense, with the guys who are getting better, he could be just as good as he was last year, and the numbers not reflect it whatsoever. And as a result, everyone's gonna be like, man, Christian Wilkins got paid and he took the step back. And, you know, Chris Greer can't believe he gave this guy all this money. That is the scenario I see happening. Just I see growth out of Jalen Phillips. I see growth out of Bradley Chubb. Um, Emmanuel Agba is a close 10 sack guy. He's going to be getting more snaps. Raekwon Davis fits more in this defensive front. He can put on some more weight and be one of those bigger defensive linemen like he should be. That All that said, and all these playmakers on the defense, I don't think Wilkins has nearly as many tackles. 98 tackles as defensive linemen just flat out bananas, and you shouldn't expect that. And I think if they give him the contract, he won't do that, and then we all get to be on Twitter being mad, like, how dare they sign this guy to this extension? He took a step back. 
Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what's going to happen. Even if he, he'll probably end up with like 96 tackles and two and a Pro half ball. sacks or something. And yeah, he'll finally make the Pro Bowl and people will sit there and still fuss about it. So um, interested to see the way it pans out. Interested to see the way where when this deal goes down. I love that you said June 1st or exactly when that cap clears because that's exactly what's going to happen. You kind of mentioned it would be hilarious you kind of mentioned Mel Kuyper the mock draft um I even looked up how to pronounce his name but I might still mess it up but uh Mel Kuyper has the Dolphins in his latest mock drafting TCU offensive lineman Steve Av Avila Avila is how I think I'd pronounce Steve. yeah his his real name is actually Esteban I looked it up so um Big Esteban. Is, yeah this is a guy that played guard played center for TCU I think um if you read through this I mean I can throw it out there the Dolphins have just four picks in this draft on day two and day three, I could see him trading up or down. I could see Avila being good fit because of his versatility. He played every offensive line position except for left tackle. So, um, obviously, the Dolphins would probably pin him in at guard. I think that's what Kevin said in his article that he wrote. But uh, we talked about a little bit. I got some flag for it, even though it was just a question. But, I mean, this would give you then versatility with uh, Connor Williams. And then maybe, you know, you move him over to left guard if you think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But what are your thoughts on going guard slash center slash um, left tackle if the do- or right tackle if the Dolphins were if he was available at 51. So it seems like the Dolphins in the last two years a, a big um, flash key term is flexibility on the offensive line. That's something I've kind of been I wouldn't say against in years past, but I remember seeing guys like Dallas Thomas, Billy Turner, all that muck in the the mid 2010s and how often they switched positions and it seemed like it didn't help them it seemed like he kind of wanted them just to kind of develop maybe take their lumps out of position and really start to understand things I think Billy Turner after he left the Miami Dolphins he played with the Packers for a while I don't he wasn't great but I think he was a decent right tackle exactly so so to me I, I I see both sides of the we want guys who are versatile but versatile guys also go by the name of Jesse Davis so that's an issue in itself uh but you say versatile, and you say his ability to play that right guard, right tackle, maybe even left guard, that that screams Miami Dolphins. That screams if you just want the easy button to plug and play, the generic, let's get our best five guys on the field. It's this guy. It's Big Esteban at 51, and, and I'd probably be okay with it, but I just wouldn't want to deal with months of, of the Dolphins being hush-hush about it, where he's playing, and maybe they don't even know where he's going to play yet. I just hope there'd be a plan in place of knowing, like, we can move him to right guard and Robert Hunt to right tackle and just have it in place instead of, you know, the musical chairs where by week seven, you just fire half the offensive line and say, Jai, you go do the rest. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, the older you get, you start to realize more and more how important the offensive line is. So if they go offensive guard, you know, slash versatile center, slash versatile right tackle, whatever it is, I won't be upset. But I guess uh, you're right, man. You got to have a plan in place. And it kind of goes back to the last pod where we were sitting there ranking our queasy meter. And we do feel like with Robert Jones, um, with what you got in Robert Hunt. I mean, those guards, I mean, I think both those guys could play the guard position. You hope Liam Meikenberg could eventually do something, but as of now, that seems like there's no chance. So um, I would be a lot more upset with a different pick here. I mean, I can't even name a name. You know, maybe they go cornerback or I, I don't know, but that's kind of a rumor that Drew Rosenhaus had in the latest Barry Jackson article. So we'll see what happens here, but the Dolphins offensive line needs to get better if they want to a ton of a low in that offense to improve and uh, what better way to do it than to bring in what a consensus All-American first team uh, Big 12, uh, Pac-12 player. I mean, whatever it is, um, I think Esteban would be a nice uh, player in Miami. I think he'd fit right in. I- I'd love to see that group. But Joshua, it's Tuesday. It. We've been chilling a little bit. It's It's been fun talking with you. We we, we made it through the red flag warning. We survived so far. Uh, 
everyone out there guys it's been great we've heard some awesome feedback so far and we're excited to keep it going we're still trying to get situated on a twice a week schedule during the off season um i think we're gonna try early week josh and i get together and then end of week um we are joined by Merrick. I think this week we're expecting to do just 10 thoughts about the AFC East and, and breaking news. We're going to have a lot of making fun of the Jets to do because of the Jets and, and that's what they're there for. But Joshua, it's always fun talking with you, my friend. I think this I think this was a blast. You too, man. I mean, this is always a pleasure. And guys, if you're not uh, subscribed to the YouTube, go subscribe. HoutsMD, I think is what I changed the name to. Hit the little bell button to get notified whenever we post something. And as always, uh, Spotify, Apple, what is it? iHeartRadio. We're on just about every platform now. Subscribe. Tell us what you're thinking of the podcast. Throw us some questions and uh, we'll hopefully eventually answer them on the podcast. But guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of another Dolphins podcast. That's Jake Mendel. Go follow him on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. And I'm Matt Houts. As always, guys, enjoy the rest of your week and fins up. Fins up. We're always in control And when you say Miami You're talking Super Bowl Cause we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number one Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.